You've stopped in at the guidepost. Brought to you by the American Saltwater Guides Association. Stock up on gear, grab a coffee at the counter, and get ready to hear incredible fish stories from the best captains on the East Coast and thought-provoking conversations with stakeholders and policymakers working to protect these fisheries. This podcast is presented by Costa Sunglasses. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Season 2 of The Guidepost. Tony here. Uh, thank you for joining us. And, you know, we run that contest. Um, send your comments into comments at saltwaterguidesassociation.org. Uh, and if we read them on the air, you're going to win a pair of Costas. And we have a winner tonight. Um, Matt sent us a great, uh, a great comment question about our Albi tagging project. Um, he says, from what I gather, the plan is to tag 50 fish, rely on receivers inside a Nantucket sound for inshore movements. But as Jeff mentioned, it is possible that of the 50 tagged fish, some do not survive uh, the fight and others could experience premature device failure. So that number could re realistically be in the 30s or 40s. From a coastwide perspective, there's a few under challenges. Tags have a 400-day battery life. Albies have to swim in an area where they can be pinged. So if they swim outside the immediate coast, they'll slip past the receivers. We have to rely on other research groups to share data. And the data is lagging. So the earliest we might get a good read is December 2023. That's that's not right. It's it's more like June 2023. But he just his question, is there anything that the average Joe or Jane can do to help collect more coastwide data in the next 12 months? If we use something like a simple fish branded ASGA New England Aquarium, tag number and website on it, we could crowdsource coastal data over the next few months. Um, this is an excellent question and absolutely deserving of that pair of coastas. And all I'll say is, um, you know, we haven't announced it yet. We're we're going to announce it in the next couple of days. So by the time this podcast is edited and put out, uh, I'll be in the clear. But we have, uh, we're working with the Southeast Science Center and we're piggybacking on one of their uh, highly migratory species tagging projects. And we will be putting uh, those spaghetti tags in Albies uh, starting in the upcoming weeks. We've identified 11 of our guides um, who, who will have the devices on board and, uh, and we'll be putting those in as many Albies as they possibly can. It's a little complicated. We can't use the T-bar tags because tuna tend to shed those tags really fast. And, um, and we have to use a, a little bit more complicated kind of dart tag. So we're, uh, we're waiting for those to be delivered, um, but we're really excited and we're gonna expand that tagging outreach uh, over the upcoming months. So Matt, thanks for your question. We'll be in touch with you over email for that pair of coasters. And a uh, subtle reminder to everyone else, send those comments in. And if we read them on there, uh, you win a pair. Thanks to Costa, the, uh, the sponsor of this podcast. So without further ado, today, we are going to talk about our friend, the Cobia. And um, I had the benefit of being on uh, a small part of the Fly Fishing Film Tour, uh, Jamie Howard film last year, Black Salmon. And I have two of the, uh, one of the, well, the captain and one of the anglers in the film, Tyler Non and Blaine Chocolate joining us tonight to talk about our friend, the Cobia. How are you guys doing today? Doing good. Just got doing done, great. Uh, just got done fishing. I think Blaine just got done fishing too. We both just got done fishing. Blaine, yeah. just, Blaine just came over the mountain, man. He just got home. <laughs> 
right he could he called me on the road how was fishing today guys uh it was pretty good i mean uh, it was very very sporty out and uh i think i might need to visit the chiropractor again after today but uh we managed to catch a few cobias and uh sheepshead fishing was pretty tough although we did manage to catch uh i think one or two decent ones pretty big ones actually and uh no reds or nothing else today just just those two species man that's the sheepshead fishery down there is great i mean it is great you're you're running out of you're running out of cape charles right tyler or that general area i I move the boats around a little bit but from i'm on i fish from the eastern shore pretty much i never crossed the bridge so just you know the lower 50 miles of the bay on the shore here i uh i also never cross a bridge uh living over here on the eastern shore nothing nothing is too good over there uh i kind of kind of really avoid crossing the bridges at all costs how was fishing for you today blaine it was all right yeah uh smallmouth fishing you know we managed a couple really nice ones so can't complain there uh biggest one was about 18 so can't complain when you get that yeah decent day decent day for both of you so cobia man um tyler i i know that you have opinions on uh on on cobia especially people who pursue them on the fly um probably probably (laughs) pretty challenging thing to do when people step on your boat with a fly rod huh yeah i mean it's it's uh it is very challenging it, i mean it's it's sweet when it happens uh you know we do a lot of the the bait and switch style fishing um especially when the fish are just in singles or pairs or not grouped up if they're grouped up under any conditions and you know then i don't i don't tease them really for the average even the average guy but and then you know just like when we had blaine down last summer and this summer and blaine gets it done but He's also, uh, you, know, you know, super fishy and definitely not the normal guy that steps on the boat. So it just depends on who it is and how the fish are behaving. But a lot of times we're doing the, the bait and switch tactics. Tell me a little bit. Tell me a little bit about the the filming that y'all had, because I think, you know, Kobe or this fish that when people live in an area that don't have cobia, they think they're they think they're super sexy and uh, and and. You know, they it's something they see in a magazine or online, and they want to catch it. And they don't, you know, reality is usually a little bit different than what you see in a magazine or on social media. So, you know, y'all were on the boat for a couple of days chasing cobia, and I know it wasn't uh, it wasn't a blockbuster couple of days. So, uh, so how did that go, man? Tell me a little bit about that trip, guys. Well, I, I will say this, uh, Tyler. I mean, we we had a lot of opportunities and the biggest challenge with Kobe is they pop out out of nowhere. You know, you're looking left, right, backwards, forwards, you name it. And a lot of times they just all of a sudden appear out of 30 minutes of not nothing. And then all of a sudden you got to make a cast in their field of awareness within a 10 foot area. And if they move past that area, a lot of times it's over. So you got to put it in there really quick before they know you're there, um, which for me, that's great. But uh, a lot of times they're always coming at you too. So the boat's usually going towards the fish. The fish is coming towards the boat. You put the fly in the in the field of awareness. They eat it. And when they eat it, they're coming at you. So you're trying to get that slack out. So, you know, to be honest, the fishing that I had with Tyler was fantastic i mean we had 
ample opportunities. We had a bunch of fish eat. We, we pricked them. You know, they just didn't stay buttoned up a lot of times. And that's the way it goes. But, uh, you know, it's, 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 it's fishing. But um, I, I will say this, you know, some days you get them, some days you don't. Um, a lot of times, if, I mean, especially if anybody watched that film, you'll see the fly in the mouth setting the hook have the fish on for two or three seconds and then gone so yeah you, you know and that's happened a lot and then there's times where i didn't think there's no way in hell i'm gonna catch that fish and shouldn't even cast to it and they eat it you know i figure i ate these fish before it's it's the uh, kobe are a manic fish you know it's they're very hard to predict and uh tyler he fishes for them every day and you know i, I get to fish for him maybe a dozen times a year um so he could tell you more than I I could about how these fish are, but I've, you know, over the past seven or eight years, I've, I've spent a lot of time on the water chasing them, and you know, <laughs> the ones you don't think are going to eat eat, and the ones that you think are going to eat don't eat. So that's my opinion. yeah, Tyler. It really, I mean, they can either really be monumentally stupid or the pickiest fish on earth. Oh yeah, right? so yeah, you know, conditions are definitely dictate a lot of that. You know, I mean. You, nowadays if it's a, a slick cam beautiful day i mean there's gonna be you know boat traffic and pressure will be through the roof and those have been some of my of my toughest days where you can no matter how many you see or how many you find you still can't get a bite but you know if you if it's out there you're excuse me you're out there when you shouldn't be um you know a lot of times you know it's it, the, they can they can bite like piranhas um and i think that a lot of that is just a function of you know, boat traffic and, and angling pressure can definitely, uh, you know, spook them or just, they're just, they're just, you know, have their guard up on, on, you know, nice days now, it seems like. Well, let's, let's talk about that for a second. Like, what are you, there's not many people that fish for Cobia more than you, Tyler, you know, Blaine, yeah. Blaine alluded to that. Um, you, you have a, you have a pretty, uh, pretty intimate relationship with these fish what have, what have you seen over the last 10 years uh, with the fishing I mean, down the, in your yeah, area yeah i mean the the average size of the fish has definitely shrank um you know 10 years ago it was it were definitely you know the i mean pressure was was half as much and you know the fish were substantially bigger um and I, you know, this year we did we did have a, a shot of nice fish in the beginning, and I and I, they were quickly uh, eliminated or you know caught. But um, that that little bit of size difference we had in the beginning of this year, I think, was directly a function from the outer banks fishery having some really poor weather conditions, and a lot of those fish were able to slide by, um, you know, without getting caught. And I think that's why this year in particular we saw you know, a little shot of bigger average size fish in the beginning, but now after the season is two and a half months into it, you know, that now it's just, it's kind of like flounder fishing. Every, almost every fish is going to be 38 and a half inches, you know, or 39 inches. You know, they're all just shy of a keeper because they've been fished through um, and heavily, uh, especially on, like we are talking about on nice days, there is just a, a whole pile of boats and everybody's out there you know, with one thing in mind um so i mean you know it's uh we still got fish but just the average size is is right back to where we were in the for the past couple of years so you you tag a lot of these fish and one of the most shocking things that you told me is you you've never gotten a live return on a yeah. tag 
Yeah, we, we've been tagging them for quite a few years now, and we have never had a keeper fish that was tagged and recaught released. Yeah, no, yeah, never, not not one time. So, I mean, it, it is only that's a, that's unbelievable. That is unbelievable. Like, it is not one, <laughs> not one. You know what? Not- I I I I don't think it's unbelievable because I've seen it. Um, all you got to do is go on the internet. I I don't think there's ever any cobia that ever go back in the water if they're over the legal size. I, I personally, I mean, I've got friends that I try to tell them is like man these fish don't i mean you can't keep keeping them and expect it to be great fishing and then you know i'll have i have a really good friend that uh gets super upset when he doesn't get them and uh and i'm like man just be happy you're out here we got you we got a beautiful day whatever no i want to get him i'm gonna get him but if he doesn't get his keepers it's like dude it's just i don't (laughs) they're not gonna get it's unbelievable how um, at this day and age that we can't understand that putting a fish back helps the fishery and it's going to make it healthy. You got to put these fish back so they can, I mean, they're up in the bay spawning. That's why they're here. Let them spawn. Let them go back to where they're going to go and let them come back and let them spawn. It's okay to keep some fish, but dag on. I mean, every day, every day. It's it's unbelievable how once the keeper season starts, and that's you know that's the commercial and recreational. It's I've, and I've been on both boats and I've seen it. So it's uh very 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 few fish go back. Yeah. So and, uh, if on top of you know to get to the comical aspect of this, you see some stuff out there. Like I've seen I've seen a frame ladders ratchet strapped <laughs> to like a center console, so it's a so you know they've they've got their tower. I I saw a picture of a um a guy who had a you know aluminum aluminum t top with a canvas top on it, and he had like a granny walker tied down to it, so he had something to hold on to and was had like his feet wedged on the sides of the aluminum. We've seen some boats flip that had that stuff on there uh tyler i'm um, i'm sure you've seen some seen some stuff out on the water uh, right i've seen some stuff i've seen quite a few boats roll over yeah uh, you know in a, in a rough chop uh you know i've seen the last year i've seen a 25 trophy this uh cutty cabin center console rolled right over you know probably wasn't a half a mile from me but um yeah, you see some crazy stuff and the whole thing about these fish not being released not I, I think a lot of it has to do with it's just, you know, a lot of these charters and the mentality is like they're, they're in like just rock fishing in Maryland, you know, they're, they're selling meat, you know, they're not selling experience. And it's a, it's a, it's a, so what, what is that? A $180 a pound. I mean, yeah, come on, I, you know I what know. I mean? In Maryland, come on. Yeah. But it, it just, it's just how the, the mentality people have, you know, they, they have to bring something home. It's like a self satisfaction type thing. But, um, and that's not going to be, that's not the way of the future. And it definitely, then that's when you see charter boats or, you know, when regulations get cut, their business also, you know, it reflects in their business too, which really, if you're in a charter business, you're, you should be an entertainer. You're not selling meat, you're selling an experience. You know, that's where. Yeah. I, oh, no. A hundred percent, Tyler. Yeah. I mean, that's what this whole, that's what this whole association is built on. Right. Yeah. It's, it's the fun. guys who are selling the experience. 
Yeah, guys who were selling the experience versus guys who were filling the cooler. And, yeah. um, you know, we always have to put a disclaimer on all this stuff. It's okay to keep a fish every once in a while. Oh, absolutely. But, I mean, absolutely. if that if that's your goal is just to fill a cooler, you're, you don't have a viable business model for very much longer. No, I'm sure right? I don't. I, I mean... mean you're absolutely right. I mean, yeah, I mean, there's nothing wrong with harvesting a right fish and this and that, but, you know, just, you know, harvesting fish just to take dock shot pictures when you get back to the dock and so you can put it on the internet to try to sell more charters. It's a, it's a perpetual uh, downhill slide, a never-ending slide, you know, because it ain't, it, it ain't going to last like that. In my so you were talking before, before we hopped on, uh, hopped on live here, we were talking about the the red drum um, that are that are you know kind of all the way up to Maryland. They're down. I mean, we don't really burn spots, but they're they're down. Let's just say forty miles south of me, um, not too far. And uh, and it's it's amazing. Uh, a couple things, you know, these are big fish. These are not these are not small red drum. These are these are the big ones. And you can't kill a red drum over 27 inches on the coast, yet I could go out there tomorrow, and what's tomorrow? Tomorrow's Thursday. I may see 100 boats chasing them. All the same fish. I mean, the same school. And they're all catching and releasing. You're not allowed to kill the fish. And they're booking a lot of charters. So, like, I, you know, it makes you wonder how that business model is working Yet we hear a lot from the community. Oh, if I can't kill fish, I'm going to go out of business. Um, but there's there's plenty of charters in Maryland right now that are that are going after those red drum with no hopes of keeping it because it's illegal, um, and and they don't say have any real problems booking trips. Um, do you you kind of see the same thing down there, Tyler? Like people like catching big fish, right? Oh, for it's, sure. I think it's up to the captain to kind of explain to them, you know? Yeah. Yeah, and there and there's you know there's a whole bunch of them and they're sweet and they get gigantic and they rage. I mean, you don't have to you don't have to kill a fish to book a charter. I mean, look at the best example I got is on the Kenai Peninsula, the most heavily fished river in the world. More man hours are logged on that river than anywhere else. And when they closed their king season and made it like you know they no bait and catch and release and all this other stuff, all them guys thought they were going to lose their entire businesses. They never skipped a beat. It all they, the same people just kept on coming back. Then people aren't going to not go fishing because you can't keep them. You know, it's uh, people like fishing because it's fun and it's a cool thing to do and it's you know it's it's fun. But um, yeah, the red drum is in the bay is a prime example of you don't have to harvest everything to uh, you know to book a trip or to have fun or whatever. You know, it's 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 absolutely awesome. So. Um... You know, tell me like, okay, so Blaine steps on the boat. Y'all are going cobia fishing. You know, you have <laughs> one of the better fly fishing anglers you'll ever have on the boat. So that kind of opens you up as the captain to do more things, <laughs> right? I mean, well, yeah, okay, the I, guy my, can my cast, all right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah my day's yeah. set. It's so like, it's not. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So what are uh? What what are you what are you hollering at him from the from the tower? You know, you're probably well, seeing the fish first. Just just call. How's shots. that work? I mean, it, it, 
it, it was just calling shots for him. It was super easy. I mean, you know, he he already he knew what was coming. You know, the instant I said something, he was already ready. And uh, I mean, it was if it was like that every day, we we could do some damage. But uh, especially when they were if they pop real good, or you know, you could really whoop on them. But yeah, I mean, it's it, Blaine's an exceptional guide and fly angler. It makes things super crazy easy. Um, so yeah, is I'd see a fish and call it out and. You know, uh, half a second later, he's he is ready to rock, and uh, we did hook a bunch of a bunch of fish, and like Blaine said, they just pinged off, and we we started using those flies with the Blaine's game changers with the two hooks, and uh, and I still use them, and they are you know a lot better for some reason. They, I mean, it's not like a jig where they, I don't know where they whoop on it real hard. Um, they just and because of the momentum of the boat and the momentum of the fly and the fish and everything's coming at you and um the 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 double hook uh fly was definitely uh is my new favorite because you you keep a lot more of them pinned yeah and my thought process on that is you know throwing jigs throwing stuff with weight when it hits her mouth it's going to fall in a corner i mean gravity right so you got weight that's going to hit meat flies don't have any weight to them so when they they come in and suck it in you know a lot of times it'll kind of collapse and just kind of be in that void and not hit a corner. It could be in the middle, right? And when you strip and you, you know, obviously they're coming at you a lot of times, they might, you might prick them. And that's, that's that kind of head shake where you have them on for a couple seconds and they get off. And <clears throat> I started adding weight to flies. Like uh, I even started doing uh, egg sinkers and, t- and adding uh, a quarter ounce egg sinker into the loop of a non-slip loop knot right um and that's helped and i even added uh weights inside the flies that kind of helped that but the double hook like tyler said it's the same as muskies man you got you got two shots <laughs> surely one hook's gonna find something that's gonna stay buttoned up and it, it does tend to work well and um and that's why i've used that two hook system for a while for different species especially muskies because muskies never stay buttoned yeah yeah that would piss me off so tyler i mean (laughs) (laughs) um tyler you know you you kind of grew up in the northern bay and when i met you you long time ago you were doing a lot of guiding on the flats how depressing is that that flats fishery now because you were you fished it during the heyday Oh yeah, the that the heyday for sure. Um and that was uh when the moratorium first lifted, those first few spring seasons were the most epic saltwater fishing probably anywhere I don't know in the world. I mean, it was just acres of giant fish crawling over each other to eat your popper. Um it it, it I couldn't even imagine I couldn't even imagine if that existed now and the internet had a hold of it how many boats would be there, but it, you wouldn't be able, there'd be no water left because there'd be all boats completely matted across. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was Tyler. I tell, I tell young kids, I, I, I tell young kids, right. Kids that are like, you know, in their late twenties, early thirties that, you know, work with the guides association that we used to catch, you know, three, three good fly anglers on a 21 foot Parker and we'd catch a hundred stripers 15 or 20 of them would be over 40 inches um you'd get you'd get angry when like a 28 inch striper ate your fly 
and and it was like that as long as the water was clear it was like that every time every time and, and they don't believe me but that's really what it was i mean catching a 40 inch striper was not a big deal catching a 48 49 inch striper was a big deal but like you know 38 40 incher you're like oh it's a nice fish and you throw it back and you didn't even think of anything right yeah there was there was i couldn't imagine the biomass of fish there and if side scan would have been invented back then if that would have existed you'd have seen the craziest the craziest side scan images probably on planet earth because it was in four feet of water and the fish were so thick it was it was absolutely ridiculous um but yeah they would never see that again i don't think but but guy it was really really sweet that i got to see it I, I mean, the only reason why I bring that up, Tyler, is like the cobia fishing is still good, and yes. it makes it makes me worry. It makes me worry a little bit about what the future holds. You know, you've you've never gotten a live release back, right? A live a release fish that you tagged back. Um, you see this stuff going on every day. Do you do you think they can handle this kind of pressure for the I long mean, term? I, I don't think. I don't think so. And, I mean, and there's nothing that, I mean, there's, you know, as far as anglers, you know, like uh, it's got anglers attention because like other fisheries aren't as good anymore. So I feel like it's like, it's like a spotlight fish is what I've been calling it. It's like the fish that has everybody's attention right now because it's still pretty good and you can still catch them. So, but I mean, it, I mean, it, it can, it can come back from this because I, I think we still have a, you know a lot of a lot of fish available, but just the beatens have probably need to slow down a little bit in order for them to catch back up. Like that big that big diversity in size, you know, that you would see years ago. Uh, yeah, you don't see that nearly as often. Like a, it's almost like fodder fishing. Like I said earlier, like a lot of fish are right there, just sub keeper, especially toward the end of the season. Like if you went out there blindfolded and the first. 40 fish that you came across randomly with no selection or no you know if you caught them off the bottom say the first 40 fish i would bet you 85 percent of them would be just sublegal fish so that, i mean that's an obvious sign i think of probably overfishing. i mean you know definitely it's uh i don't know it's it's gonna it's a popular fish it's a great sport fish it is good eating which is probably half three quarters of the problem you know um if it tasted if it tasted terrible it would there would be there'd be just as many today as there was 15 years ago or 30 or 50 years ago but you know like tarpon fishing you know tarpon fishing remains good you know because it's they're unedible um but there's still lots of tarpon charters too you know they, they don't harvest those fish so I don't know the mentality and the culture is probably going to change just a little bit. Yeah. Tyler, it's funny, man. We were looking at, uh, and I was talking with Blaine about this last week. We were looking at, um, the speckled trout stock assessment for Louisiana. And, uh, when the stock assessment came out, 80% of the population of speckled trout in Louisiana are 12 inches long. That's the legal keeper size. So think about that. And you have a, they have a 25 fish limit and 80% of the fish living in the state are right at that size. So what is, what does that tell you about fishing pressure on that species when there are no fish 
bigger than 12 inches. I mean, it's kind of exactly what you're saying about the cobia. And, and I mean, God, if you flounder fish and the limit's 18 inches, you're going to catch an awful lot of 17 and a half inch flounder, right? I can promise you. Yeah. Um, so, you know, t- Tyler, how many boats are you running these days? Uh, I, I got two, two cobia boats that are, you know, two, two bigger center consoles and uh, a 21 foot center console. And uh, I got a cruising boat, a pontoon boat that just does uh, uh, evening cruises, which is out right now. But uh, yeah, so we're running four boats pretty much most days um, and for sure three boats. But um, yeah, it's been a long time coming. Though. I mean, uh, just like Blaine, you know, we've both been at it a while. And, um, you know, definitely my first five or six, seven years were slow, but I did, I was never really a big internet guy. And I don't think the internet was really even like a, uh, that big of a deal back then. And, you know, you know, Oh seven, Oh eight, Oh nine, you know, starting. And I don't, you know, it just, it wasn't, you know, and I was young too. I was in my early twenties and it was just hard to, it was just hard to build clientele until I got older. And then, you know, last, the last 10 years have been really good. So do you, you know, when you look and you think about like all the boats that you're running and you're not, you're not spending a lot of time in Florida anymore, you know, you're, you're kind of focusing on that lower Eastern shore. You're not, you're not coming up here for the flat season because there is no flat season anymore. Um, You know, when you look at the future, are you concerned? Like what, you know, what you have to be thinking about this stuff. I know you're a smart guy and you look at these things. Oh, for you know, sure. what is what is your heart telling you? I mean, can I can I, is it probable that I'm going to outlive sport fishing like we know it or, you know, as we see it now? I mean, there's always going to be something to catch. And, you know, my program has definitely evolved over the years. Um, but uh, there's, go, there's going to be something to catch, just maybe not what we want to. And that just might be the the bitter reality of it. Um, but, uh, yeah, I'm, it scares me to death absolutely scares me to death i mean i don't know what i'm gonna do i mean hell now i'm getting old and i'm i'm dumb hillbilly i mean i don't know i'm like maybe go hang drywall or something but uh yeah it, it's definitely something something in the back of my mind been there done well that. you know uh yeah yeah i think we all have um I, I just you know the reason the reason why i ask is um there's so many things on the horizon right uh you have cobia, you have red drum, you have bluefish, you have speckled trout, stripers. Um, you know, every single thing seems like to a certain degree it's in trouble. And you can find areas where you can still catch these fish for sure. You know, there's still there's still areas where the fishing is good, but it's getting smaller and smaller. So, you know, that's why we built this association to try to to try to bring these fisheries back and at least make them sustainable. Um, I think I know what the answer is on this, but, you know, we have all sorts of things that changed since you two guys started guiding, you have technology, you know, side scan, like you said, Tyler, like, God, if they had had side scan in the flats, she's forget about it. Um, what do you think? What do you guys think the biggest, the biggest problem with fisheries these days is across the board with all the stuff that all the different species that y'all y'all pursue collectively 
If you could change one thing, what would it be? You want, you, you want to go first, Tyler? Go ahead. I, I got to go in for you, but yeah, go, go for it. Go for it, big guy. Uh, it would be more than one thing. Um, you know, uh, I mean, we when we did our talk uh, a month ago or so, we talked a lot about how uh, social media has changed a lot of stuff. Um, you know, I've learned personally from uh, you know, it's a good and it's a positive and negative thing. You know, uh, the one thing that I've changed on that, uh, not to dwell on the, I don't want to dwell on the negative of it. I mean, we all know the doc shots, the hero shots, we've all done it. We've been there. Um, but I think what I see as a positive to try to bring this forward, we, we need to use it as a, uh, as, as an educational platform to, show what what tony uh asga is trying to do um um we need to use that and and give people an an education on don't kill these fish every day i mean this is our opportunity right now and we're talking about it tonight it's our it's a it's an opportunity for people to say hey i don't have to kill every kobe i catch i don't have to do it you know uh you know, I don't want to dwell on the negative. I mean, obviously, that what we're talking about. I mean, I, I want to look at it as a positive thing because it it gets out to everybody, right? So, we, I want to use it this as a platform to say, hey, um, I, I'm as bad as anybody. I, I did it. I've done the hero shots. Uh, you know, probably kept the fish out of water too long. Whatever, you know, to to get that glory shot, and I've learned from it, and I haven't been doing it for a while now. Um, but You use that platform to say, hey, we have this issue going on, um, whether it be like the shrimp deal, you know, that we talked about or uh, the trout or the Louisiana tarpon problem right now. You name it, whatever it might be, the cobia going on right here, the striped bass. It's our opportunity now to use this huge social platform to, to uh, unite anglers to beat. The, the major problem, which is, uh, you know, well, I, I don't want to get into it too much. Go ahead, Tyler. <laughs> Can get off I the mean, soapbox yeah, here doing, for a second. Yeah. No, you're doing awesome. I mean, I like, you know, it's very easy to focus on the negative aspect of the internet and social media and all that just crazy, out of control shenanigans. But it can also be used the other way, like you said. And uh, that's a fantastic. It's like I can go down this road. It is a terrible rabbit hole of just yeah it's it's bad but you're right the, you know all these bad role models and all these other people in the outdoor um you know in the outdoor world in the fishing world that are you know that are doing these terrible dumb 
stuff dragging tarpon out of the water and just being poor stewards of the environment you know that we could we should use it like you said to 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 show the positive things you know that you know throwing them back is is the cool thing to do or you know not that it's cool thing but you know that it's the right thing to do in, in certain situations when you got a big giant bloated pregnant you know female fish or whatever you don't need to harvest that one you know take a different one if you want one to eat tonight or whatever ain't no big deal um but it is really easy to get caught up in in the in the negativeness but um yeah it's it's we should we got to use it to our advantage and and be good role models and, and show good stewardship uh, uh of the environment i think is the way to go for the future i think that's definitely the way that we could change you know the culture uh you know of the of the bay slowly it's going to take probably generations but you know at least you, you got to start somewhere i guess and you know the social media is a is is a platform is your soapbox i guess to to get that started or I think it has started too. I mean, you know, everybody's, you know, starting that trend. I mean, there still is a lot of meat hunters and people that are just selling, you know, selling meat like the big charter boat, you know, association that half of them are my buddies too, but it doesn't mean that I agree with how, how they, how they do some things, but um, everybody has a right to an opinion or whatever, but um, yeah, I don't know. You're, I think you're, you're on the right track that it's the, it's a double-edged sword. Uh, and it's definitely the the biggest thing. Going back to Tony's question, it's the biggest thing that's impacted modern fisheries. I mean, as a recreational angler, you know, it's not. You know, everybody knows what's going on now. There's so much information out there, and people are really good at catching fish now. You know, I I don't really for a lot of fisheries in the bay. I don't I don't at all blame the commercial guy because I feel like his quota is very regulated and it's a drop in a bucket. You know, you know the recreational anglers you know can go rampant you know, and just, and be mildly unregulated. Like we don't know what, I mean, there's a lot of, you know, recordings for, uh, what do you call it now? What do you call it? You gotta, you gotta do surveys. Yes. The salt your, water. Your, 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 your side surveys. Yeah. Yes. Yep. And what's it called? The, what's the, uh, the one now in Virginia, they got, like, I, yeah, I gotta do that and everything else. And, um, but yeah, so, I mean, there is some accountability, but you know, the recreational anglers were by the hundreds of thousands and we can have a definitely a massive impact, especially with cobias. I mean, it's it's definitely the, the thousands and thousands of recreational anglers is what is what putting the hammer down. Yeah, I think I think you guys are spot on. I wasn't trying to put you in a bad, you know, bad, ask a tough question or anything, but um, I think both you and Blaine are right. You know, you sit there and uh, and and you look at you look at some of the, some of the bad players on social media and you look at some of the good players and, you know, those boys who killed a bunch of tarp and in, uh, in, in Louisiana in the past week for that tournament, they got drug. Like, I mean, they got pulled through the mud on social media. Um, just, just an explosion of like, why are you killing these fish? And when you look at that and you're as old as I am, you know, 15 years ago, they were just getting a pat on the back and, 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 you know, Oh, Hey, wow. You, you won that tarpon tournament. And now they're putting those pictures up and it's probably negatively impacting their businesses. If they're a guide, because people look at it and say, I'm not taking him. Like, why would you kill that fish? And, um, so I think, I think the tide is turning. 
this these kind of these kind of cultural things take a long time to shift gears on but i think the younger generation by and large gets it like generally we haven't left them that much to uh to have a to have a good time with you know we're kind of we're kind of beating the brakes off of everything um and i think that they're generally you know they want they want what we tell them stories about you know and and i think they kind of hold us responsible for what's happening and i think there's a lot of truth in that so uh you know i think the um i think the future isn't terrible um i think we can turn no, it around sure. kobe are pretty you know tyler they're catching kobe i don't know if you caught there was an article in pursuit of a hundred pound kobe in new york they're catching kobe off long island now man like yeah and i you know i you think know. that is a lot of the you know i mean i got black and white photos of in with kobe in front of new york city from the, the thirties. you know i think a lot of that too is just they're yeah. aware of the species and and, and you know yeah, people are aware that they're there. I don't think it's necessarily a new thing. I mean, them fish have probably been up there for a hundred thousand years, you know, doing their thing. But now, you know, the few that trickle up that far. But uh, you know, I think people are just now really aware that the fish are up there and they're pursuing them for sure. Because just like we just talked about, the internet has got it has got it out. All right. So we have learned an awful lot about uh, about Cobia, about social media, um, you know, all sorts of things. Um, you know, we've been talking with Tyler and Blaine for a little bit now. And uh, and, you know, Tyler, when when does the Cobia season kind of end for you and what do you switch to? You know, you you had mentioned sheep's head today. What is some of the other stuff that you're going after with your clients? Uh, I mean, all the base species. I mean, but you know, our real, our real big thing. And some of my busiest time of the year is in the in the fall now for the specks and the puppy drum and the schooly rockfish and stuff. And it, we'll start switching to that here really this week with this cool weather. I bet you the specks will start to push down out out of Tangier and Pocomoke. So our our fishing should should pick up. Uh, but yeah, it's just a lot of inshore, near shore fishing rather um you know for the fall time and um you know this year i think the season looks like it's going to end a little early um at least it seems like it so we'll see there'll probably be a few of them trickling around but um you know we just we switch gears a lot more to the inshore stuff here within the next you know 10 15 days 10 days so the spec the spec fishing has been pretty damn good past couple of years right Oh my, it's phenomenal. It's so good. I, I, I cannot wait. I can't sleep at night thinking, you know, thinking about it because it is, you're just, welcome. It's, it's, you, it's so you, much you, fun. No, do you know, do you know the story? I swear, I'll tell you the story. Like we, we took a little break here. People don't know that. And we were, we were talking some serious shit during the break. That's that'll never hit the airwaves, but I will, I will tell, I will tell you, uh, I will tell you the story of speckled trout in Maryland. So, um, Back in 2012, when we got the first reductions on the Menhaden fishery, um, one of the DNR employees uh, submitted, uh, well, you know, made a motion to make, um, so, we, you know, I think it was a 20% reduction we got in 2012. And um, first time that Menhaden were really managed. And in comes a DNR uh, person and says that they want a 6,000 pound per day bycatch for non-directed gear. 
and they were talking about pound nets. And then they said, if there's more than one permit holder on the boat, you can stack that and make it a 12,000 pound bycatch. And I was furious. And at the time, um, Obama was the president and they were, he was doing all the healthcare stuff. And Tom O'Connell was the fisheries director in Maryland. And I was real close with him. And I called Tom, I said, I'm going to write a blog about what y'all did with that bycatch bullshit. And I'm going to call it O'Connell care. And I'm going to make your life a living hell. And he said, please don't come in. Let's talk about this. And I said, I'll bet you in a year that they exceed their quota, the pound net fishermen, and they don't take a reduction. And this bycatch in the, in the language, it was non-fixed gear that was bycatch, not intended to be fishing for Menhaden. The pound nets are fixed. I mean, Tyler, you're probably laughing right now about that because they're, they're pounded into the ground. I mean, they're, it's about as fixed as a, as a skyscraper. Like they don't move and, and 90% of the poundage for pound nets is menhaden. So I'm like, well, how is this a non-directed fishery? And I, I kicked up all sorts of dust and I was screaming and yelling. And I said, and he goes, oh, please give me a year. I'll show you, you know, they won't go over their quota. And I said, if they go over the quota, you owe me. I said, you owe me if they go over that. Well, a year later, they went over the quota. They blew through it. No reduction. And I said, and he goes, okay, what do I have to do? And I said, you have to do speckled trout because right now there's no commercial quota. There's no gear restrictions. There's no creel daily creel limit. The creel limit in Maryland was like insane. It was like 15 fish at 12 inches. So I said, cut the wreck, cut the wreck creel limit to four fish turn the turn the commercial into uh, a bycatch fishery where they can keep like 75 pounds a day and this fishery will explode you know it's it's it was this thing whenever we had good speckled trout fishery the pressure came down on them they netted all the damn fish and we never had a consistent good speckled trout fishery that was in 2012 i would say in the last 5 or 6 years we've probably had the best speckled trout fishery I would say that rivals anywhere in the country, but nobody's talking about it. So that's the story of speckled trout that I wanted to share with you. Menhaden paid the ultimate price, but speckled trout won. And, uh, and it's great to hear that you're catching some big ones. Um, cause there are some monsters around. I mean, really, uh, giants, giants. It's, it's so much fun. It's, I, I love it. It's it just, it's a great, it's a great experience. It's a great time. And I mean, uh, it's just it's they a lot hit fun. I got a I got a fly. I think they, they might like. <laughs> yeah, you've been invited. Come on down, big guy. Come on. <laughs> you know they they hit. Uh, Tyler, back me up on this, man. They hit like a cobra. Like they they hit so fast and so hard. You wouldn't think about it. Like a speckled trout, you wouldn't think that. They'll they'll knock they'll knock the feathers off a fly. I mean they they really they hit a lot harder they're not as strong as a lot of fish but man their strike is unbelievable uh and they live in pretty places too you know so uh you know hope you have a good speckled trout season hope the pressure kind of gets off of cobia you better invite blaine uh for specs because i think he's got a couple of good flies um you know no hero shots though no dead fish on the dock um well you know guys it's always uh it's always fun talking to y'all. I'm 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 stoked that we got you on the podcast and uh appreciate y'all sharing your knowledge on Cobia. And you know, anyone has any questions or comments, again, send them into comments 
at saltwaterguidesassociation.org. Uh, and we thank Tyler and Blaine immensely for sharing their knowledge today. I hope y'all uh, are on here again real soon. Thank you.